Hey everyone, welcome to the Unconventional Podcast, where we are going to get right under the skin of the modern day workplace, and more importantly, how the ever-evolving neurodiverse world fits into it. Cue the dramatic music. Welcome everyone to the fifth Unconventional Podcast. My guest today is someone that I really, really wanted to get on the podcast. Um, Scott Whitney is the founder of All For Inclusion. Um, And those of you that follow uh, the Think Unconventional brand uh, with Odessa and I will know that accessibility and inclusion is a huge part of of our message and what we're trying to promote. Um, Scott is someone that I know has a very unique story um, and uh, we're about to, to hear that story right now. So, um, Scott, a very warm welcome to the Unconventional Podcast. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, hearing your motivation behind everything and, and where the All for Inclusion brand came from. So, please, over to you and uh, let's, uh, let's hear your, your side of things. Yeah, thank you for having me on, Andy. Great to, uh, great to see the... Uh the inside of your shed so um yeah so i mean i guess we start with myself as opposed to uh, all for inclusion um kind of came into uh into covid sort of lockdown times uh as healthy as i could be just started running again i've had a few problems with my knee previously um but i was just getting into that point where you know i could i could run Lockdown hits, um, doing the kind of usual stuff, working from home, sunny weather, even in Manchester, which uh, which isn't normal for us. Got a decent sized garden, so I used to mess about in the garden with the kids, um, you know, kicking the football around, jumping on their little trampolines and stuff. And then we get into um, sort of July time. And I'm starting to get some some pain on the side of my back, and you know, very typical of me. Just uh, it's pain, it's fine. Um, and then I uh, I started to have, have problems with my uh, with my bladder, so um, so I couldn't control where and when I wanted to go go toilet. Had absolutely no feeling at all. Um, no sensation of it so um so went down to uh to my gp um they sent me straight to uh straight to a and e their first thoughts was um was something called uh caldo aquina um so did an mri kept me in for the results you know it wasn't that so that was that was brilliant came home obviously still got these problems and uh, and they 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 put me in hospital for what was a straightforward test. Um, they said the next day, you know, I might have um, I might have some problems, sort of passing urine, things like that. So I woke up, just couldn't go toilet. No matter what I tried, tried running a tap, you know, the usual things, having a bath, you know, um, nah, just just couldn't go. So. Um, so I had to go to A and E just because I couldn't go uh, couldn't go toilet. So they they chucked in a chucked in a catheter, um, which I had them for in for about three months. 
Um, the day after the catheter went in, I went back into A&E again. I was like going, this is really painful. And the kind of thing they were saying was, you're bound to feel some pain. Um, it's bound to be uncomfortable. So I came home, went back in the following day. Look, look, this is proper pain. No, no, send me home. So the day after, um, I can remember Chelsea were playing on TV. Um, not my team, but they were playing in Europe. Um, decided to get a Chinese. And, uh, and yeah, the Chinese had that. But when we was waiting for the Chinese, I just lost all feeling between my leg, uh, between my hip and my knee. And I thought, shit, this doesn't feel good. You know, so then I'm like trying to like jog on the spot and stuff, like, or just rubbing it. Anyway, don't come back. So, um, you know, maybe I've just been lying awkward, whatever, you know. So next day, bang, still the same, same type of thing. Get through the weekend. And then on the, uh, on the Monday, I, um, Went to go to the toilet, um, and uh, I just felt really, really ill. Felt really bad. So I had to shout for one of my daughters to get my girlfriend to help me back into the bedroom. I was sweating. We had the windows open, but I was shivering. Um, she called an ambulance. Went into hospital. I was in hospital then for a few days with uh, with sepsis. Um, so my uh, slight discomfort at the beginning was actually the start of the sepsis coming on. Um, but that then, when I was there, that then gave me twitches and shakes in my body. Um, my my leg then felt like it was a log on a on a fire. Um, and the only time so I could feel was either when it was like a log on the fire or it felt like someone was stabbing me in my thigh. Mm. So that didn't feel good, obviously. Um, sort of came out. My 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 ability to, to bear weight on my leg was getting worse, um, getting really, really bad. I trying to think what else happened then. Then I lost the kind of ability to to swallow. I couldn't swallow any hard, any solid food for about three or four months, and they think that was more a case of like my body being under real stress that my kind of throat was um, just not working right. But hey, you know, so that happened. So you know, everyone had to. Uh, Christmas lunch and I was there eating a couple of uh, Miller yogurts. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah, just trying to think kind of what order things came in. So uh, yeah, but yeah. So then since the since the Christmas, I was then in a wheelchair. Um, yeah, sort of going to bed feels like you know someone's got a voodoo doll on me or something, and just like using a cattle prod or a taser, so I can be just jumping in pain kind of all the night um i can have non-epileptic seizures um so you know steph's found me on the floor a couple of times um you know i've fallen so i've had some falls which i didn't 
think you would say, you know, I have a four when you're kind of the good side of 40. Um, so, yeah, it's just been a kind of uh, a bit of a bit of an up and down kind of time. But they found out now it's something called functional neurological disorder, which basically means like my body is fine, but the signals that my brain sends aren't. So, um, so yeah, so like my speech, that's another one. My speech can just go. So it's it's almost like it's um, like I've had a stroke or something like that. The way I can t- kind of talk sometimes. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, there's all sorts of symptoms. And I'm, I'm forgetting lots because um, yeah. actually my mind and my ability to think can sometimes be one of the uh, the things. But yeah, so that's kind of my story really um me as a person and scott that's that's actually an incredible story because i obviously we've known each other a while um just through the pages of linkedin and stuff and we've spoken a few times and but i absolutely i had no idea i had completely no idea that 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 was that that had happened to you over the last couple of years um and you'd never know although that you've started all for inclusion and i i always knew there was a a why behind that and I knew that the why was very personal um, very much like what we've done with the unconventional brand I didn't know the extent of the story and and that must have been a, a really scary period in your life yeah there was a period where it was um just didn't know what was going on really um you know there's you're going into like hospital you're going into the doctors and they're just like well it could be this uh, it's not and then you're kind of seeing every result come back and it's it's clear you know and you're thinking yeah. what's going on what yeah are they not doing the right test you know or, or 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 how's that happening you know and you're kind of like just questioning things over and over but you know I always say to people like it's, unfortunately this type of stuff's got to happen to someone mm. so if you know it, it happens it's happened to me you know, in in some ways, I'm I'm pleased it's happened to me as opposed to to other people. Um, but yeah, you kind of you learn to adapt, you learn to to move on and, and and do what you can. Did you know that the unconventional brand has three arms? The podcast you're listening to right now, unconventional apparel, where a percentage of the profits go to the National Autistic Society. And most recently, Think Unconventional, a social media company with busy business owners and CEOs in mind, putting your social media presence on the social media map. And you obviously mentioned, which I already knew because you've mentioned it on your LinkedIn, that you're a wheelchair user. Is that something that is a is a permanent fixture in your life? Is that just for certain things? How is how um mobile are you in general day-to-day life so i can't walk Uh, i can't take a step um so um when i'm at home i will uh, i will take times where i i hop um i will take times where i um i use crutches but i can't use crutches outside because my my wrists and my elbows will give way um which can then cause uh me to fall and then obviously like when i'm trying to push myself back on my bed like my wrist can just like almost 180 itself um which can give like short-term pain you know nothing nothing too bad but um 
but yeah, it just means that I am, you know, uh, at the moment, a permanent wheelchair user with FND. Um, sometimes it it can correct itself a little bit like a postcode lottery. If you're in the right, if you live in the right city, the right town, you know, you can have uh, you can have in-house sort of treatment, um, you know, with that they'll look at it's kind of like halfway between like um like psycho psych, psychological and um and neurological and, and different people it will cross over different ways different people it will impact people in different ways as well um so like kind of i guess the main kind of things for me is is the wheelchair um the twitching so you know i couldn't carry like a hot cup of tea because I could just throw it over myself. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, I've been known to to throw the mouse or the laptop across the room and the uh, and my mobile phone, just thinking, oh, you know, shouldn't be doing that. And um, and yeah, the so the twitching, um, the wheelchair use, and then the other thing is just it's just like my bladder. Like, if you imagine, you know, these like squeezy topped Lucasade bottles. Mm-hmm. Well, if you was to turn that upside down, effectively, that's your bladder. And when you want to go to the toilet, it should just flow. Yeah. But I physically got to force it. Um, which, you know, it's not the not the be all and end all. But, you know, one day that could just pack up on itself. I Yeah, I, I think listening to this, it, it, it really does kind of hammer home to me in terms of how fortunate I am that you know we take so many things for granted in life and every time I've ever spoken to you you've always sort of had a a positive outlook on what you're trying to achieve even here you're you're kind of looking at things as in well I'm glad it happened to me and not someone else you're trying to build your brand and we'll come on to that later on but you know just in these short 10 minutes or 20 minutes or so uh, it's been an absolute inspiration to me just hearing you talk about this but and all that trauma that you've kind of been through in the last two years, but you're still sitting there with a smile on your face, talking about what you want to try and achieve, talking about, uh, to me, it's, it's, I know what, I can only imagine what you've been through, mate, but it, you are an absolute inspiration in the sense that you are still showing up every day, still involving other people in that mission of, you know, making things more inclusive. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I'm sure you are, and you've got plenty of people around you that are very proud of what you're doing. But it's uh, it's a real inspiration, mate, for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got a decent support network. You know, <laughs> I don't want to lie about that. There are there are times where you know where I've had like a little cry, or you know where where times where it gets a bit tough. But they're not they're not too many. Do you know what I mean? I think um, I think sometimes when it's when it when I have a tough day now, I just I just try to sleep, get mm. through next day will be better um but yeah i think like you know the best thing that's sort of come out of it for me is um it's just you know being in touch with so many people that i might not have been in touch with had it not been for for having fnd and you know my life's be- <clears throat> my life's better as a result of it um you know what can i not do now well i can't get stuff off high shelves <sighs> You know, that's not that's yeah. not the uh, that's not the worst thing in the world um it's expensive that top shelf mate yeah yeah and it gets me <laughs> it would get me in trouble as well mate so uh, so yeah so um so yeah so uh, this, yeah 
it, it could be worse. It could be a lot worse. How um obviously the 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 main point of the the unconventional podcast is to talk about neurodiversity in the workplace, which I know is something that you and I have spoken about before. Now, technically, I know that what we're discussing here with yourself isn't neurodiversity, but for me, one of the reasons I was so uh, desperate to get you on and have this conversation was because it's still very much a topic to be discussed around how you've found the workplace over the last couple of years. Have you been exposed to other people and conversations where perhaps they've had similar things and, and they've struggled in the workplace? What's, what's been your take on it and how have you been supported in the last two years? Well, you see, I work for a, um, a small independent broker, commercial insurance broker. Um, I predominantly, you know, throughout the whole kind of lockdown period, I worked from home. So I continue to work from home. Um, the office isn't isn't set up for, for me. Um, so I've gone in a couple of times, um, and, uh, 10 times maybe um but you know we can get we've got a ramp down there now to to help me get in but you know the toilet like i've got to have like a raised toilet seat um but the like my wheelchair won't fit through the doors and things like that so i go in for a couple hours at the time one of my colleagues picks me up drops me home um but i can do my work from home and Mm -hmm. i'm quite i'm probably more comfortable doing it from home than i am in the work uh, in the office anyway I'm just one of those type of people where I don't know you know I just I just prefer to be in the quiet and just just get on with things so in that sense it hasn't really caused me too much um too much disruption but you know I've heard other people's stories um you know and I know some people have had you know tough tough times with their employers mm. um talking about sort of physical disabilities but also kind of neurodiverse mm. conditions as well where where people have maybe given a bit of lip service to say yeah look we'll support you but just not follow through with anything mm. um which is you know it's it's poor really um you know because i just don't a lot of a lot of support and a lot of a lot of the kind of things you can do are are free or, or cheap um especially when it comes to to people who are neurodiverse who you know they might just need five minutes or you know if they're in a loud noisy call center well putting them to kind of the edge of the call center may may sort of help them with with noise and things like that but you know it's it's all very well me kind of saying this might help them this might not because you know at the end of the day, I'm neurotypical, and um, and and the only way you're going to know how it's going to help someone is by having open and engaging conversations. And and I don't think the proactivity should come from the employee; it should be from the employer. Um, you know, if you've got a good employee and and you support them through a diagnosis or with their condition, they're only going to get better. If you've got a, a poor performing employee, um, just talking about performance, well, if they're neurodiverse, having those conversations with them 
may be your first step to to sort of coaching and supporting them and and by supporting them they're not going to get any worse they're only going to improve mm. so i just you know for me it's 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 down to um it's down to managers supervisors kind of senior management board level just to breed that culture mm. of of you know but let's face it everyone's different anyway so you know let's not say people are having special treatment because they're neurodiverse let's just say we're having these open engaging conversations regardless because some people who are neurodiverse might not even know it i think it does come down to a lack of understanding doesn't it um and and also i think there's a fear factor in there as well from from senior leadership and and business owners that have never been exposed to it in their lives and they don't understand what what neurodiversity really is they they kind of they've almost shut off from it within their business because they almost see it as a a hindrance rather than a than a superpower which in in so many people it it most certainly is and what it what it's going to take is people like you and I and many others continuing to talk about it and continuing to to do that work in terms of raising awareness of of the brilliance in in people's differences but also it's going to take um a realization from those businesses and those senior leaders that we can't continue the way we are we can't continue to in any business situation just pigeonhole certain individuals and say they're not going to fit for what we're trying to achieve here because for a set period of time normally a short period of time they haven't fit into this company mold and this box that we've created that we want everyone to go into um and i think that's the i guess that's the challenge it's we can talk about it till we're blue in the face but it it requires a willingness to change and a willingness to accept you know i've said this time and time again on the pages of linkedin i've said you almost when you're when you go into management or in 2022 where even if you've been a manager for 20 years plus you almost need to say i'm going to forget almost everything i know and hit the reset button because actually those experiences that i've got in my mind from the last 15 20 years of doing the certain things a, a, a certain way they are actually holding me back um and it's that message that I think we need to keep spreading. And, mate, in our lifetime, we might see a 5%, maybe a 10% shift. Um, we know it isn't going to change overnight. But I'd take that. I'd take that right now to see that sort of shift. I mean, I look at it and I think um, anything that I'm doing and um, and other people that I speak with, we're not doing it for ourselves. We're doing it for the for the next generation or probably the next, next generation. Um, but you know, a couple of things you said there, um, I think language is, is key. Um, and, and, and that's got to be kind of both ways because I think what some people are afraid of is, is, is getting engaging in conversations. So you mentioned superpowers. Now there's a lot of people who are neurodiverse who who talk about superpowers but there's been a couple of people who are neurodiverse and, and quite influential who have said let's not use the word superpowers because what we don't want to do is have people employing people because of supposed superpowers 
and and they don't have them because not everyone who's neurodiverse has those superpowers so language is kind of key and i use to i use you know the phrase superpowers as well but it it's kind of key in both ways and you kind of got to to engage with someone and understand and when people have said it i've you know said you know let's not use the word superpowers i've kind of i'm not challenged them because they're neurodiverse but i've kind of said you know what is the right thing to say because some people are you know neurodiverse people are saying let's use this and some are saying let's not use this and and what they've always come back is along the lines is saying actually it's okay to use but you've got to use it in the right way so we've got to be careful that what we're not doing is going to have the next wave of young managers come in and go right i want to hire people who have autism adhd etc because i know that they've got superpowers Mm. and they come in and these people who they've hired actually don't have those superpowers or they might have a different superpower than what they've read about Mm. um so it's still a case of having those open conversations um getting everything out on the table and you know but not being afraid as a manager to to really engage in that and and then you've also said about um you know rewriting the book i think that's right for average managers and poor managers i think managers that get it and are Mm. good don't need to change anything because they're already open they're already having these discussions but you know the percentage of those managers are small aren't they um and i think that's the that's the kind of key most people have got come in kind of blinkered and they need to just open their vision um open their ears probably more than uh, than vision they do because i think young managers in my experience that come into a role very rarely do they have the training that they need to actually go on and 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 deliver that role well so their only benchmark of behavior very very often is what's gone before them and the the danger with that is that's just generation after generation l- learning from the one before and no one kind of breaks away and says actually the last five generations have probably done it badly i'm going to break away and do it this way because there's no one encouraging them to do that um so that's what tends to happen in a lot of businesses you just get one follow another follow another follow another and very often if if someone does decide you know what this isn't right i'm going to break away from this very often they probably have to go and do it in a different business because that business doesn't want that type of thing in in there do you understand what i mean um and i've seen that so so often and i think in my experience the only businesses that actually end up embracing um, a different way and a different perspective are those companies that have got someone in that senior leadership that's got neurodiversity in their family either themselves or a child or because that was what changed me i'll be brutally honest with you i've been a manager for 20 years since i was 22 years old and in the first 10 i was very different to the second 10 or maybe the the last eight so 12 and eight because until I had children and until my world was exposed to a different thought process and neurodiversity and all of that, 
I managed a certain way. I was very my way or or the highway. And in retail, that was quite common. But again, it was because I was watching the people before me and that was my benchmark of what good management was. So I didn't, and I didn't know any different. And it wasn't until we had Jake and we started understanding and, and, and looking at some of his behaviors and realizing that perhaps he was going about life slightly differently to people of his own age, that Linz and I started looking at things in a completely different light. And I all of a sudden had so much more empathy for the people I was working with and, and then ultimately became my team teammates because of the experiences that we were going through individually. But do I think that I would have changed so much if we hadn't have had Jake and perhaps we'd have had a different child? I don't know. But but that's the big question. It's like it's easy for me to sit back and say all managers should be open-minded and we should be evolving in the way that we should that you and I would like to see. But actually we have to continue talking about that every day because there wasn't anyone doing it when I was 10 years ago for me. So I had to learn through something happening in my life. But we can't rely on every manager having someone in their family that's neurodiverse before they get it. We need to get people on board without having that experience in their life because a lot of people won't. So I I think when I was managing, I, I changed um, without kind of neurodiverse conditions with my children, although um, they would just have been sitting undiagnosed at the time. But we had um, a new kind of senior manager um, come in and uh, called Richard Bevan. And, and then him, he basically said, look, kind of, got to be more kind of as a business we've got to be more customer first kind of have your own expression lead people in the way you want to lead them and um, before that like you said it, it was a case of I wouldn't say I necessarily did what others did before but I did what kind of I was instructed almost to do um, but then things it's changed to hang on this might not be my name above the door but I'm going to start treating it like it's my name above the door. I'm going to start, you know, I'm going to start making sure that I'm making human decisions before I'm making business decisions. Um, and yeah, that really changed how I how I managed. And I would go into into meetings with my uh, area manager, kind of at the time, and he would say, "Well, this is what the company want you to do." Um, so why in your plan that you sent to me, you're you're saying um, you don't want to do it? And I say, well, I'm not saying I don't want to do it, but you're asking my my team to concentrate on five things. I'm asking them to concentrate on one um, because what I've done is I've planned a worst case scenario for these four. So all they've got to concentrate on is that one. If they miss that one, we're not going to be as bad as that worst case scenario regardless but it just makes their life easier and then I was hot I was in interviews with people who were neurodiverse and I was adapting the interview process to not give them a, a better chance um that would be no that definitely wasn't what I was doing but I was making sure that if I was going to hire 
um, someone that they felt that they was capable of doing the job. So it was more about, right, the interview's finished. Just shadow this person for, for two minutes and kind of see what, what they're doing. Mm. Right, okay. Are you comfortable with everything there? Mm. And, mm. you know, it was more around someone who was dyslexic because there was a lot of scripts involved and saying to the person who was dyslexic, right, okay, tell me, do you think you're comfortable doing this job? Yes, I do. What extra support will you need? You know, I didn't make them read a script to me because I wouldn't have asked anyone, you know, anyone else to read a script to me. That would have been unfair. Are you capable of doing the job? Yes, I am. What extra support will you need from me? I might just need a couple of extra role plays and, you know, a little bit more kind of, you know, guidance and shadowing that way. Right. Perfect. Hired the hired the person. She came in. I can remember, you know, her first phone call on a on a new business. I said, look, just take your time, relax. You know, no one ever sells on their first call. No one ever sells on their first call. And and regardless, it won't be monitored, but I will be here and I'll stop you from making a mistake. So she sold it. It was monitored and it was a perfect score. You know, you just know straight away, then you're going, right, I've made that right decision, mm. you know. Do you, feel, do you feel like, and I, I want to come on to all for inclusion in just a second, but do you feel like there's just a general lack of businesses that look at their growth plans, look at their strategy and want to build something around uh, lots of different personalities and different characters? And, and what I mean by that is, there's there's probably a much higher percentage of businesses that everything is based around that pound note figure. So we want to get to X. So we need to employ these people that are going to follow the company mission and vision to to the way that we want them to follow it, so that we get to X. Um, what would you say to that? Um, oh, I haven't been involved in, in business plans for a long time, but. But I would say, um, you know, the first thing that people are going to be looking at is performance. Um, and and then they'll start looking at, you know, maybe some sort of equality um, or customer service next, some sort of equality next, which would generally be either gender or, or racial equality that kind of fits in. Then they might start look at... Um, kind of social responsibility and then kind of below that is your kind of um your disability and your inclusion and your accessibility and what they want to do and 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 they all you know a lot of companies will go right i i plan to achieve all these things but first of all is performance second of all is customer service then we're looking at our our key equality thing then we're looking at um, whatever the, the other one I said was. I can't remember now. And then we come down to disability <laughs> and accessibility. So they, they they try to wrap up those first, that you know, in that order. And by the time they get down to maybe just about to start the third thing or maybe just about to start the fourth thing, they have to go back to number one again because you're spinning so many plates and and I think I think in a lot of cases intention is there 
Um, but I just don't think it's it's prioritised enough. And, you know, the kind of message I would give to businesses in that situation is, you know, I'm not sure what the figures are. It's 20%, 15% of people are, are neurodiverse or have some sort of disability or, or whatever it is, right? So you, you're looking to hire someone and the first thing you're doing is you, you, you're narrowing your, your pool talent because this project manager over here who's deaf the best person for the job you're discarding because you're starting with a telephone interview um this person with autism that would be better working at home a number of days a week you're discarding because you're you're basically saying no you've got to be in five days a week whatever you're doing you're narrowing that pool talent but the other thing is, what about your customers? So, yes, 15, 20% of the, the talent pool is neurodiverse, disabled, etc. But so are 15 to 20% of your customers. And are you then giving those right messages to those customers? So, you know, we're, we're putting out a video here, which is not internal comms it's going to be an advert that's going to go on youtube social media what whatever and i've not bothered to caption it well hang on <laughs> you know what are you trying to tell me that a you don't care about people who are deaf or hard of hearing b you don't care about people who are trying to watch this on public transport who don't want to have headphones in you know you know some people prefer to read um you know I've, I've i've learned that a lot you know with some people with adhd have have said to me they prefer to read and then i've i've heard the flip side from some people with other conditions you say i'm really struggling to read so you need to make sure you're communicating in in a kind of omni-channel type of way in multiple ways and then and then yeah your service well you know your service has got to adapt to these people that your offerings have got to adapt across the board as well it's um yeah so businesses who are doing that are just cutting their nose off to spite their face really you've absolutely nailed that mate um for me and this was why the slogan of think unconventional was not just tick box social media um because everything you've just said there is it is a tick box from most most places they kind of go down the list of the boxes they need to tick um but the reality of the situation is exactly what you've just said they're missing uh, opportunities um because they are limiting the the talent pool by excluding certain people because of perhaps their internal politics i mean the the one that there that i think will get a lot of people talking is the whole we want people in the office five days a week. And obviously that's been a huge uh, talking point over the last two years with, and do you know what? I, I, I like a balance, you know, if I wasn't working for myself, and this is why um, I have a lot of calls with friends and people in the space at the moment, because it keeps me feeling like I'm part of a team. Um, but I, I, as an employee, I was an advocate of a mix 
but that but that was me that was what suited me i i had team members that wanted to work in the office all week because they didn't like working at home but then i had other guys that were better at home their performance hadn't dropped and they were more comfortable in that scenario but they were forced by management and senior leadership to be there because the one size fits all approach was easier to manage um for the politics of it Hmm. and also because that's always how it's been done Hmm. so we're just following on with 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 you know we're doing it because the person before us did it the person before us did it well someone's got to rip up the rule book and they absolutely and 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 then your point about your customers that's that's so that's absolutely spot on because i think we often think about oh i certainly do i think about the workplace the colleagues what's best for them but you've gone another level there and and, and said that 15 20% of your customers are neurodiverse how will you communicate and this is exactly why our message is accessibility and inclusion with our social media content because if you only do written posts, as you say, or if you only do video with no caption, or if you only do images and don't add the alt tags, which Odessa and I are now doing, you alienate so many of your potential buyers because you're not allocating that tiny bit of extra time, resource and money to including everyone as opposed to maybe just 75 or 80%. And you don't know, that 20% that you're alienating could be your biggest spenders. I mean, I've um, gone away from um, transactional purchasing. So I now purchase based on relationship. So if someone's not going to take that time to to build a relationship with me, well, I'm not going to, I would rather pay a little bit more and go to someone who will. Um, so, for example, I, I know someone who does, um, who, who supports me with uh, websites. Now, the reason I use him is because within five minutes of being on a Teams call with me, he knows if my head's with it. So there's times where he will almost go, I've got time tomorrow if you want to park it for tomorrow. You know, he understands me. He really understands me. Um, So, and he's gone above and beyond for me as well. So... Yeah, it's all about to me. It's about relationships, and 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 that's where I think it's key. More and more people are going to relationship purchasing instead of transactional purchasing. You know, mm. we want to know if shit hits a fan, we can come to you, and um, and, and you'll do what you can. And mm. and yeah, that's uh, I think that's the that's that's the biggie when it comes to this twenty percent now going to really hit into profit margins scott i want to talk about all for inclusion um because it's something that um you are uh, massively championing at the moment uh, on linkedin you and i have got uh, an event coming up um which will actually probably be about at the same time that this podcast cast goes live actually so um I'm, I'm buzzing for that talk to us about all for inclusion what's the motivation there and what's the goals well so in January this year, uh, well, no, part way through last year, I decided I wanted to kind of give back, and um, I did the equivalent of three marathons in January and six uh, in my wheelchair and six marathons using an arm exercise bike. Um, 
and uh, and raise money for the brain charity um so i was having a conversation with uh with someone called sean liddell in november time and sean does a lot um with mental health and he said to me you know you're gonna have a dive after january you're gonna you're gonna you're seriously gonna have a dip um because you're putting everything into this charity thing so what's going to happen at you know in there so that's really that was really the um my girlfriend has always wanted to do something with mental health and, and neurology so at some point she will join all for inclusion um but when the time's right for both um us and for her so she's working on some other things at the moment um so the idea is that we want to kind of look at all types of inclusion but that space is just too big for 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 us so at the minute we're just focusing on um disability um the business originally was going to be called uh inclusion for all and um got the domain started to work on uh on some some logos and things and then realized that uh there's already uh, an inclusion for all on company's house so scrap that went for all for inclusion you know just changed it around all for inclusion and really really like the the actual switch of the name actually because it's um it's, it to me having it this way around means we're trying to gather all to funnel into inclusion um and it's it's saying that you know you don't have to be in a minority group to be able to be inclusive and accessible and and whatever so we're kind of going to be doing doing the business in a few phases but um at the minute we're we're looking at uh awareness and education so we do uh fortnightly um what i call disability and wellness conversations are almost like networking meetings for people with disabilities people who care for people with disabilities and people who offer services to people with disabilities so uh one of those is is tonight um so we've got that at seven o'clock tonight monthly do uh do a monthly webinar for um for people which uh which you're speaking on the uh on the next one um and they're on different themes so you know they the first one we kicked off with was um women with disability in business and then we moved on to um oh, this is where my brain's clogging me but we moved on to on the next one we had uh we had three amazing speakers um we had richard bevan carly tate and uh and nana said marfo um and that was all around inclusion in the workplace i i just can't think of how i titled it but it was all around inclusion mm -hmm. in the workplace um mm -hmm. so so yeah so it's uh so they're 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 kicking off and uh and then we got um the podcast which uh mm. which is which is good that comes out weekly on wednesdays try to get people from all sorts of uh environments on there and um the theme is about disability and inclusion um I've had a lot of uh, neurodiverse people on there at the moment um it won't be out but there will be a second podcast which will be coming out which 
I'm recording the first episode after this called uh, the hun- the 168 factor. Um, but I'll tell you a bit more about that offline. Um, mm-hmm. That's uh, that's been something that's been gearing up in my head for uh, for a little bit. Um, getting the getting the cogs turning. So um, so yeah, it's, it's busy and uh, and just um, you know just trying to support people. So I'm engaging with people a lot on LinkedIn, um, doing a lot of signposting. You know, I don't think you know the, the CIC started in february i don't think you can say well i'm an expert in jan uh i know nothing in january now click i'm an expert in february that's not the case um i think i'm inquisitive and because i'm inquisitive it allows me to signpost people and i use a lot of peer-to-peer support getting in experts who can speak people with lived experience and that's um that's really important because i think lived experience in my opinion is better than textbook yeah i agree i've always said and it kind of goes back to the working word as well actually i've always said that you can't replace experience there's no replacement for experience um i think you can read reading sometimes can inspire you it can sometimes give you a steer in the right direction but actually lived experience for me in in this type of thing or the working world is is the number one um in my opinion um Scott, this has been uh, an absolute pleasure for me. Um, it really has. You know, 50-odd minutes of, of hearing your inspirational story, genuinely. Um, I think you're an absolute inspiration uh, as, a, as a man. Um, your story, I think, will inspire a hell of a lot of people. Um, and uh, like I say, it's been a real pleasure. So thank you for, for taking the time to, to join us and, and tell us today. Yeah, no worries. Thank you for having me on, mate. Absolute pleasure.